Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Snapshot, episode 49. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by Marvel Snap Phenom, Cam Best. Cam, your week in Marvel Snap, sir. Oh, it's been kind of on and off. I've been dealing with just sort of the way this metagame has gone, ending in a sort of relatively unsatisfying way. But at the same time, I'm excited to experiment with cards like Sebastian Shaw, right? And I do think that, like, you know... I'm excited, especially for for Shaw specifically, because I think he could do some legitimately powerful stuff. Uh, And as far as the metagame has gone, I feel like it's split up into, I guess you'd say, four islands. Now, island number one is the Bounce Shells, Loki, Darkhawk, whatever. Island number two is Miss Marvel, Darkhawk, mid-range stuff. And I think that's actually the island where the most experimentation is coming from right now, because we know what the Loki deck looks like. We know what the Darkhawk deck looks like. Every bounce deck is like the same nine cards. But in the Darkhawk Miss Marvel camp, there's just like no sacred cows at all. And they have to be just finicky enough in order to not instantly lose to the card Loki. But they also have to be like powerful enough to uh, beat other decks. So you end up seeing like, you know, uh, Shang-Chi, long considered like basically like a sacred cow in a Zabu deck, is now being cut from some of these decks. You see things like Mystique being added in with the idea that A, it's very good for you, and B, your Loki opponent might not be able to use it very well at all, things along those lines. And uh, generally speaking, I think the metagame is fairly well split between Werewolf by Night and Miss Marvel. I would say those are the poles around which the metagame operates. But of course, you know, destroy is still a good deck mm-hmm. and it's still doing its destroy things. Lockdown is a Miss Marvel deck that I think got a lot worse with the rise in Darkhawk Miss Marvel type stuff, because if you're proactively locking down lanes so that your Miss Marvel and Doctor Doom can beat them, you end up in an awkward scenario when your opponent is playing good cards and you're playing Storm Professor X. And they're also doing the same multi-lane plan with, like, Doom, Miss Marvel. So you end up in these scenarios where it's like, ah, the thing my deck is proactively trying to do gets answered by my opponent doing the same thing. And so I think Lockdown remains a relevant deck, but it's in a worse position than it was previously. It is actually, I think, good into the bounce decks, but the Darkhawk decks are just doing you but bigger, and that's always a bad spot to be in. And I think... That the fact that I have played probably an astonishing amount of Bounce and Loki, an astonishing amount of Darkhawk. And it's just like, you know what I really miss? I miss move midrange. <laughs> I miss I miss that. That's what I miss. I miss being able to play games of Marvel Snap where all of my cards were like relatively evenly powerful, right? Where it was like I had a bunch of cards that I was going to try to use together with each other to make them stronger rather than just like three cards that matter in my deck. And if I don't draw them, I don't do anything. And a lot of the bounce decks sort of feel like I didn't werewolf on three. I didn't Loki on four. I like it's just like uh, like these decks have such limited amounts of power in them because of the threat of Loki taking all your power that they end up a little bit, uh, I guess I would say, hollow. Mm. Do you think that Marvel Snap can come back to a, a metagame that's sort of dominated by or is, yeah. I guess, a random mid-range deck? Yeah, what would that take? What would that take? In uh, order from I'm decks? starting to wonder if Miss Marvel isn't actually a little too strong. 
I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest with you. I'm starting to wonder about that one. That one's entering my brain. But I, I think I think it's hard for us to figure out what anything would look like in a world where Loki still exists the way that he does. He's not like. I think Loki's probably actually balanced right now mm-hmm. in that, like, you could take a Loki deck, you could take a Darkhawk bounce deck, you could take a Miss Marvel Darkhawk deck and you could convince me that any of them is the best deck in the game. Right. I, I would I would buy it. I don't think Loki is like clear cut, goaded, best by a mile, anything like that. I just think that the effect he has on the metagame is so deleterious to anything changing mm-hmm. that it's a uh, until like just him existing re- represents so much of a threat to certain types of decks that he keeps the metagame in sort of a stasis point. Which I think at this point I am very sick of. And that threat to the metagame is predicated off the hero or the card text itself, not the stats, yeah. right? So in order to change that paradigm, we would e- either need to add cards in that that did you know, change that paradigm, or we'd have to adjust mm-hmm. the stats, I guess, to some Yeah, you'd either have to make him unplayable or change his text. Yeah. Do you think that we could see a, a Loki rework or is he is he healthy enough? To the metagame because I remember you know something we've we've gone through multiple card card complete card reworks now in the last in the lifespan of Marvel Snap. Do you think that Loki is on is sort of in the queue for that potentially? I think they will eventually have to do that. Yes. Yeah. Uh I the, think that is the preferable option to the other option, which is just like nuking him to death. Yeah, because the paradigm it's literally what we mentioned in our preview of the card. Which, by the way, this this episode this week is going to be another preview for December, which is the most wonderful time of the year. Um. Not really? De- not December, but previewing cards for the next season. That's my ah. favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, not December. Um, but we even mentioned it back then. We're like, okay, the, the paradigm that Loki is presenting to their opponent is just disgusting, right? It's You have to play bad cards. Like You have to play cards that I can't take advantage of because I'll be playing them at a more efficient rate. That being said, you could, things- you could put the stats somewhere that it would probably negate yeah. him. Yeah, one of the things I like about some of the Darkhawk decks is they're just like, I don't care. they're just like look do it to me i don't care i'm playing i'm playing no tech i'm playing like all beef and i'm just saying like look if you don't get the right stuff if you don't get like my miss marvel i'm gonna have a 415 and that's better than what you get out of my stuff which i think is very funny like dark hawk is always a little bit asymmetrical Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know the Dark Hawk deck has the time to put the rocks in the deck, and you just like you're just like, all right, I'm gonna rely on the disruption to make sure Loki doesn't get the nut draw off on me, and if they get the nut draw off on me, I'm absolutely dead. But hey, what if they don't, right? And I think that's actually just like fine. I think that's I think it's good that that can happen. It's just frustrating that the only kind of deck of that style that can exist, of course, is the one that does all the disruption, right? So, like, if you want to just, like, try to beat Darkhawk by, like, being a solid mid-range deck with reasonable tech cards, sorry, dude, you absolutely eat it to Loki, right? Like, if you wanted to play Move Midrange, which was a Darkhawk beater back in the day when Darkhawk was more reliant on Enchantress and whatnot, but, like, you could probably make a Move Midrange deck that beats the hell out of this out of Darkhawk just by, you know, running the right anti-ongoing tech, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you could probably do that, but if you ever run into a Loki, they just beat your ass and like that's that's the frustrating bit it's like i don't know how you come up with a deck that can out mid-range the dark hawk decks and not immediately lose to loki even the dark hawk decks i feel like are a little bit like iffy 
into Loki. They have a they have a coherent game plan, I think. Like it's one that makes sense. It's one that if you understand the matchup, you can execute. But I still don't feel great about the matchup. Do you think the metagame feels a bit like ships in the night with Dex just trying to do the thing? No. No, it feels nothing like that. This is an extremely interactive metagame. Extremely. Maybe the most interactive metagame. Maybe the least ships in the night metagame we've ever had. Uh, people are interacting with your deck in the form of rocks. They're interacting with your hand, with Black Widow, Spider-Ham, even Iceman is a card that I've seen. They're interacting with the deck that you built in talk. They're interacting with the deck that you brought into the game with Loki. This is a highly interactive meta, extremely interactive meta. There's This is not Ships in the Night where it's just like, I'm playing Destroy, you're playing Shuri. Who drew the better hands that did more points? Like, it's not that. Like, it's the opposite of that. This is a highly interactive meta. It's a highly skill testing meta. It's a good meta if it weren't basically the same meta that we've had previously. Mm. Like, that's... And it also, it would be a good meta if I could foresee a way for it to change and grow beyond what it is. And I, I can't. Interesting. All right. Well, let's go into the news. First here, we had Martyr release. Martyr was a 1-4, and it says, at the end of the game, move to a location that loses you the game, if possible. What was your experience with this card? Uh, she's not very good. <laughs> Talk about why. Well, she's a 1-4, which is not enough payoff for her text box being as bad as it is. What kind of stat do you think you'd need? To have that uh, to make this wrong. Uh, like one six. If yeah, she was so like a one titanium. six, she'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. She was like a one six. That'd be a great card, I think. But like it, it's that one of the things is like you want her effect to actually matter. Right. They, they mentioned this in the balancing where it's like we had her at a one six, but then she just didn't move because she'd win other lanes. And it's like, well, yeah, like the point of a card like this is it needs to be good enough that the downside doesn't happen. Right. And if it's not good enough that the downside doesn't happen, if you're explicitly balancing so that the downside does happen some of the time, it's never going to be good. You feel me? Yeah. I feel like we could potentially see that that number cranked up a little bit because I do think that the logic around that card that you described does make a lot of sense. Where the one four stat line is like in comparison to something like Titania, which is a one five. It's kind of a middling. But we'll see. Yeah, maybe synergies with the with the one other one cost cards. Anyway, on to the next yeah. piece next piece of news. There's a pretty big piece of news, uh, which is that ByteDance shut down Newverse. Newverse is the publisher of Marvel Snap. Um, I'm just gonna read out some of the statements they said. Uh, this one I think is from Ben Bro. They said, Hello friends, Marvel Snap is not going anywhere, kind of like the blob. We are movable, or at least we only move in the direction we want to move, which is forward. Definitely a lot up in the air right now, and we're super sad to hear our friends at Newverse are negatively impacted, but none of it will affect our ability to make Marvel Snap maximally awesome. Um, that is from Ben Brode. <laughs> I think that the the article I was reading speculated. I don't know if it's confirmed that they Marvel Snap made like a hundred million dollars in rev- revenue since global release. So from what I understand, which is not a lot of information, it's secondhand information, so don't take it as gospel. Is that ByteDance is uh, sort of a company that looks for lightning in a bottle? I believe they own TikTok or something like that. So while this venture might have been successful, it just wasn't exactly what they're looking for, and they decided to dive, well, divest Newverse. My read of it is uh, Newverse and ByteDance wanted to compete with Tencent. And if you're familiar with Tencent, they own like they're they're uh, they have parts of League of Legends, right? Like they have they have enormous properties, right? And in the article, it mentioned that Marvel Snap was the biggest game that Newverse had. Mm -hmm. And if you are trying to compete with Tencent and your biggest game is Marvel Snap, you are not doing that. You are simply not in the game. 
And I think that would be true regardless of how successful Marvel Snap is, because like fundamentally, it's a mobile card game. There's not a single card game on Earth that would compete with what Tencent is doing. And so if that is their most successful game, my read on that was, well, yeah, obviously you'd shut it down. <laughs> like, like I, I not like and I want to be super 100 percent clear is like uh, the people I know who work in Nuverse have been incredibly nice to me. I, I don't want to shout them out by name, but if you're listening to this, I'm talking about you like the the people that I met in Hong Kong were incredible. They were incredibly nice, incredibly talented, incredibly hardworking people. Uh, one of the first people that I ever got to know in Marvel Snap was one of the new verse people like uh, I think they are awesome and I really hope they land on their feet. And I think it sucks that because they were clearly doing a good job. They were working on the one project that was successful. Like, <laughs> they they clearly did great, right? Yeah. Like they mobile game of the year, right? Didn't they? Yeah. Like they they like the new verse people, like as I understand it, the way uh the way it is is just like if you're trying to compete with Tencent and Marvel Snap is your best game, you're not doing it. And so, like, the uh, the venture as a whole, they had, like, a bunch of other games. Yeah, do you know any by name, by the way? Any of the other games? Dragon Air? Dragon Air. Yeah, Dragon Air. And I think there were a couple others that I, like, was vaguely aware of. Um, But, I mean, I think also, like, you know, that's a pretty, you know, America-centric view of a take, right? Like, do you know any of the other games? Like, for I'm just wondering if you know them by name, because I was not no. aware of any from Newverse, so I was wondering if anybody, like, they would ring no, any bells. But yeah, I, I think a lot of people were like, like, I saw a bunch of like clickbait YouTube stuff that was like Marvel snap being shut down. And I just I just, just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I hate that shit so bad. Are you really so starved for content that like I get it? The metagame is tough right now. It's tough to talk about it. But like, come on now. This is like very obviously not a thing that is going to impact Marvel snap. And even after people like Ben Brode came out and made those statements, the, the consensus seemed to be like, well, of course they would say that. It's like, what are we what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> To be fair, they, they definitely would say that no matter what. But I think right, that but Mar it's like, Marvel Snap is in a really good spot. Well, right. They, but it's like, uh, yeah, of course they would say that. And of course you would say, of course they would say that. Right. Like you, you've already made up your mind. Like, uh, what do you like, um, I feel like. What do you <laughs> Do you do you think this like where where do you think uh like second dinner exists now um loot potentially like loot with new verse being divested like does this change the the player or the customer experience at all or is it just going to be smooth sailing it'll be like nothing happened for us my understanding and I I don't think any of this is NDA'd is that the the main contributions that players would find from Newverse. So let me I'm going to go back and list them. I think if I recall correctly, many of the events are run by Newverse. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe Conquerors was run by Newverse. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that I don't know how Twitch drops were coordinated. Actually, I have no idea that they could have been involved in that as well. Um, the, the anniversary reward thing on the new verse store, of course, the new verse store as a whole, uh, is, is run by new verse naturally. Um, as a publisher, I believe they also do a decent amount of the like community support for the game. 
So as I understand it, I believe the CMs for Marvel Snap are Newverse people. I'm not 100% on that, but I believe they are. I believe they are as well. And I don't know exactly like the the official Marvel Snap Discord. I don't know if that's under Second Dinner or under Newverse. I don't actually know. Um, as far as the game, I wonder. Oh, also, I believe Newverse is the people that do the. Uh, I don't actually know, but I think Newverse does the season videos where like uh, the the announcement stuff. I think that's under their purview because. I don't I I believe that to be true. But again, I don't know. Uh, A lot of this is me just guessing at stuff. So I want to be like 100 percent clear. This is not stuff I know. This is just my impressions. Please don't quote it. Please don't be mad. Uh, If anyone knows better, feel free to correct me. I I don't get the sense that this is something that severely impacts the game Marvel snap in any real way. Mm hmm. That that was my that was my take pretty early on. And then it only became my take more when a bunch of statements that were like, hey, your take is right, came out. (laughs) That always helps. Yeah, definitely an interesting, um, an interesting development, though. Not not something that I saw. To be honest, as as a player, um, and I guess slightly as a content creator, I wasn't super aware of Newverse. Uh, They were kind of working, I guess, more in the background for me because I hadn't spoken to any of the, the CMs. Um, so I, there's probably a lot of players out there that have been playing Marvel Snap for a long time that didn't even know the new verse existed, right? Because they're they they were only interfacing with the game and then Second Dinner, yeah. as an extension of that. Uh, but yeah, probably that's why that's why it's so funny to me for people to be like, "Is this the end of the that's game?" It's wh- like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Name five things they do. <laughs> <laughs> name five books. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Na- name 10 books. <laughs> are, you, are you a real new verse? Hand? Are you a real new verse head? Yeah. And before the thumbnail is video is like, <laughs> if we do that, I will quit this podcast. I swear to God. I wouldn't even think of it. You know, clickbait is just not on the table. <clears throat> anyway. I don't mind clickbait, but like representing this, like it's a big deal, I think goes beyond clickbait and goes into lying. Like if you are, if you know better and you're out there and like, clearly we know better. I mean, you're out there saying like, is this the end of Marvel snap? Even if you put a fucking question mark at the end of it, it's lying. You're misrepresenting the facts to get someone to click on your fucking video. That's a lie. Please don't do that. Thumbnail guy. Okay. All right. On to the, uh, the bend and snap here. Like I mentioned, the main topic of this video, we're going to be discussing all of December's cards and speculating on their power level. We'll see if how many hits we have. I believe we were pretty, we were pretty good. Um, on this past month here, like think we called Werewolf by Night as being one of the more powerful cards and ended up being like that. Uh, anyway, on to the bend and snap. First one comes from Mix in Love. They say, the meta bubble discussion is interesting. I'm on the same page that data at high infinite slash legend is better, is a better reflection of the end state. In Hearthstone, it's generally believed that the legend meta will flow down to lower ranks as people net deck from top legend and they start to work on the skill needed to pilot those decks. However, in snap, the card acquisition model could make adaptation much slower or impossible. Yep. Say, for example, a lower rank player uh, wants to learn low but gathered uh, but gathered enough resources or waited for the missing pieces to be in the spotlight then the meta changed due to nerfs buffs and new card releases in a way if limiting players from having a full collection is is easily a goal i think the bubble issue will be worse and making balancing more more difficult in my opinion ben brode's original intent for limited collection is p- to promote a more var- varied meta but i think it may result in a more narrowed meta at in different tiers current uh currently the current meta might be a decent example uh, example with loki near the 
top and Miss Marvel near the bottom. My personal opinion on how to create a very meta is a, is to give as many tools as cards to players as possible and then balance power, power level uh, based on decks and not individual cards so that multiple styles can coexist. Anyway, just a thought. Keep up. The, the great work. The main reason I highlighted this, it was a good comment, but oh, it's also hold on. I'm jumping. I'm jumping in here. This might be the smartest comment anyone has ever left. Like normally when I hear a comment, there's like something I want to dunk on. There's nothing in here I want to dunk on. I mean, OK, I, I want to dunk on one thing, which is like said Miss Marvel near the bottom. Yes, she's stronger at the bottom, but she's very, very strong at the top, too. Just wanted to clarify that. But like uh, every single bit of that was very good. <laughs> I have no issues with anything uh, in terms of how they constructed that point. Yeah, I mean, clearly you haven't read all the comments uh, talking about how handsome you are. I mean, I think those are the, those are the best comments, but I, I, I appreciate people lying to me. It's very nice. <laughs> one, thing I um, one thing I want to highlight, uh, though, is this this thing that he said. Which is Ben Brode's original intent for limited collection is to promote a more yes. varied meta. I actually this is very smart. I'd never heard that pitch to be honest. I because I, I for some reason I I don't know if anybody else does. I get targeted by the original Marvel Snap ad, which is Ben Brode being like, "What if you just couldn't buy all the cards?" And it's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> I still get that. How do we hold on? I got a, a digression. Uh -huh. Do you not run an ad blocker? Uh, this is on like my phone and YouTube. That's where I see it. So, yeah, not on my phone in the native YouTube app, I don't. And I probably watch a lot of videos on there. Interesting. I never watch anything without an ad blocker. I just don't do it. Like, yeah. I have YouTube uh, Premium now, actually. I'm, I'm like I'm, a content creator. I make my money off of this, right? And I'm still just out here publicly like, yo, I do not. Like, it's like, it's like, like, I don't know how you people raw dog the Internet. <laughs> I just, I don't know how you do it. I, you know, I'm just trying to support all these rent now. Oh, I just yeah, I'm too lazy. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, on the mobile app, it just, I mean, on my mobile YouTube app, I, you, I think you can download like ad blockers, but for me, it's just, I haven't I actually got YouTube premium for the month because I want to listen to some sure. uh, down the rabbit hole of Eve online, which is reasonable. Holy, holy shit. That video no, is I mean, so I just, good. I just, by the way. I, I'm halfway through the four hour H bomber guy vid. So like, watch I'm, I'm, Eve online. That one is insane. It's like six hours and it's, one of the most epic stories I've ever witnessed in my life. If you don't know what Eve Online is, uh, I didn't know it before, but it's uh, like spreadsheets. It's spreadsheets. Yeah. It's space, 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 grand uh, MMO. It's it's crazy. It's unbelievable. Anyway, um, yeah, I didn't actually. I'd never heard the pitch that the idea for a limited collection was actually to promote a more varied meta. Maybe, obviously, in the beginning, but I didn't know that yeah. that was like you know six months. I don't know a year if that's and, actually necessarily part of the pitch. It's part of their vision, especially with the early pools, right? Like, yeah. And it works. They, it works. And it does work, right? Like there's different experiences depending on your collection. And that's like clearly intentional. Uh, I, I I think that that was uh, very insightful and well put together comment. And I think also I do want to say one thing uh, regarding the Hearthstone thing. Uh, that whole argument that people were having about like how top players just didn't know how good a card was. It was so oppressive to everything else. You had to nerf more than its health. It was a one five. They nerfed it to a one three. They nerfed the health, right? And uh, the deck that it goes in sucks now. It turns out the top players were right. Who could have seen that coming? And I. I'm not familiar with any more of the specifics than that, but generally I would suggest. Like, I don't actually know the specifics. I don't know who's arguing about what. <laughs> From what I can tell, it's like Pocket Train and Zeddy, both of whom are people that I generally like. Uh, but I. I I just feel like more or less 
when you want someone to get to the bottom of why a card specifically is problematic, I would trust what the people at the top of it say. Yeah. And it's funny because I was talking, I was like, had this conversation uh, like a week or so ago. Uh, I think it's, it's, I would also lean towards trusting the players at the higher end because uh, one, they play more games Two, that they play a system that inherently rewards winning and card games. It, it's funny because in card games, like gamer egos are not as popular as they are in other games because the result is relatively objective. And if you're, if your sort of belief or statement is fundamentally incorrect, you will just realize that by losing. Um, and that should yep. happen consistently so we can reach a relatively objective result. So people who have, uh, you know, their ego is rooted in an idea that is not true. They will just lose. <laughs> so that's why it's one thing I like about card games. You have to deal with like, uh, you know, assholes as much, but yeah, they still, they still occur. They're still here. Anyway, on to the next one, which is from Mitchell it says, Hey guys, thanks for all the content. Your insight is fantastic. In my, and they say question, in my opinion, destroys an archetype that seems, seems to be the most flexible thanks to its many synergistic, synergistic possible inclusions. Do you think this should be a goal for more diversity within arc? Do you think there should be a goal for more diversity within archetypes or should they focus on creating new ones entirely? Uh, most flexible destroy. Are we thinking about the same thing? I think the reason people might think this is because it's actually one of the least flexible to the point that there's literally two flex slots and then those two flex slots get changed around all the time. And so people think it's a flexible deck, but it's not. You have to run like 10 cards in destroy. Like there's like 10 cards that are just like locked in when 100% of reasonable destroy decks. What are we what are we doing here? Like if you want to look at a flexible deck, I think a flexible deck would be like take a look at the Darkhawk shells right now, mm -hmm. which are all over the place. Like you have decks doing Dr. Doom Absorbing Man. You have decks doing Dino Mystique. You have decks playing Agent Coulson and No Shang-Chi. You have you. There's just there's they're all over the place. They're everywhere. And even those decks have like, you know, every one of them is playing Darkhawk. Every one of them is playing Rockslide. Every one of them is playing Korg, et cetera, et cetera. I think if you want to look at flexibility, that's the deck that you'd talk to that you'd, you'd talk about. Destroy, I think, is like, OK, let's go through. Let's go through the list of destroy. Right. And talk about like what is and is not ever reasonably cuttable there. So if we're talking about destroy, I would say Deadpool, that's a lock. X-23, Nico Minoru, a lock. Forge, probably a lock. Carnage, a lock. Killmonger, a lock. Venom, a lock. Null, a lock. And then you could say Wolverine is a lock. And you could say Death is a lock. Which leaves us exactly two spots left. Maybe four if you want to stretch it to Wolverine and death and say, like, you can cut those some of the time because, like, maybe sure. Right. But that's not a flexible deck. That's a very inflexible deck. What do you think about the second part of the question, which is, <clears throat> do you think the goal should be for more diversity within archetypes or should they focus on creating new ones entirely? I don't think that is a binary. Meaning. Diversity within archetypes will happen naturally as they respond to the metagame. If an archetype is fundamentally non-diverse, it's because it's linear, usually, right? Like you look at the Loki decks right now, which are pretty linear, if we're going to be honest. You look at Destroy, pretty linear. You look at the any deck using the Bounce Shell at this point, you can see what the construction of it is. And there's like three flex slots. It's similar. 
But if your plan is I'm going to put up points and then play some interaction, right? Like you, you, you end up doing stuff that is similar to other decks. I don't necessarily think that's wrong. I think I can't think of a time when the top deck was not swapping in and out two or three pieces of tech just to yeah, match what it was seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that happens just naturally, right? As far as creating new archetypes, I will say I think it's good when they do that. But I also think every time they've done it recently, it's gotten really bad. <laughs> like when you look at like the previous archetypes they've created with like the big ones that like are just a totally new deck, right? Like yeah. I would say that's like Elsa stuff, Loki stuff, werewolf stuff. It's just like, oh God. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, for the love of God. Yeah, Loki for sure was a was a fundamentally new archetype. And uh yeah, it's <laughs> It's rearing its head at this point because it's, yeah. it's just like it's, what other new archetypes are they created? I guess Living Tribunal, that deck everyone loves. Mm. Uh, like there's a stuff. Yeah, what other archetype? Like, I mean, we'd have to look. I could you get inspiration from other card games for, for archetypes. But like, uh, I, I don't know. Most archetypes that come to my mind are pretty toxic, <laughs> to be honest. I think yeah. like milling your own deck and like playing something like Thassa's Oracle. This is a Magic the Gathering card that makes you win the game when you mill your deck. These like fundamentally uninteractive kind of archetypes. Uh, I'm trying to yeah, think. About, I like, think one of the things in Marvel Snap is people look at archetypes as in like this is a destroy deck, this is a discard deck, but those are actually the same kind of deck. Like they fall under the same you know mm. synergistic point slam Points, archetype, yeah. right? And so like there's like synergy points like there are decks that just do points with synergy. Then there's decks that do points with disruption, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I I don't I don't actually know if making another synergy points deck it counts as making a new archetype. Like I, I kind of wonder about that. I think it does to an extent. It's uh yeah, it's not exactly the full realization of a new archetype, but it does give people a new way in which to points. Yeah. Because Destroy does feel much different from the rest of the game in terms of like how you're achieving said points. I really like that. how Destroy plays. It's yeah. just so fun. So do I. Uh, I. I really enjoy how that deck plays. I mean, I, I like playing a atypical decks, I guess, at that point, because, you know, I was a Galactus fan back in the day. Uh, I was a big, uh, big Jund player, what we like to call a... Uh, a Deathwave player back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rip to that deck. Um, anyway, on to the next one. This one's from Colin. They say, what they need to do uh, is featured locations in an unranked playlist and go insane with the featured locations. Double energy, seven round games, five round games, three of the same location, etc. So this is a concept that I exists. I would love that. Yeah, well, th- this exists in other games. So Hearthstone does it via the Tavern, um, mm-hmm. which is like a rotating game format. Magic the Gathering does it via just like some, I don't know what they call it, but uh, Omniscience standard or something and then like you have like infinite mana and stuff like that so other games do it i have not been a person that's played those kind of formats in the past but i'm assuming they're successful because you pretty much see them in every single digital card game yeah i'd love it it'd be cool it'd be cool because you know right now we have a version of that we have a version of it like it's kind of like a fart of that it's like not not it's it's featured locations like which is pretty much that concept, but all the negatives. It's like it exists in ranked. Yep. It's still the same format, but it's just like, you know, one thing is very consistent. It makes it quite degenerate. And they haven't really hit. So I think an unranked playlist where they could really stretch the limits of the design would be would be cool. Next one here. Yeah. 
Snowpoint, they say, does anyone know exactly how snap points work? Like, does it start at zero? If not, how many points uh, do you have at the start of the season? Does does everyone who gets infinite have roughly the same SP when they get there? How much do no. we actually know? Cam. Okay, so we know a lot, actually. Uh, SP is just an internal representation. of It's literally just your MMR, right? So you beat a bunch of people and you go up in SP. Uh, after the season, there is some amount of reset, which they fucked up this season. They, they, they accidentally didn't reset exactly two people for reasons unknown. <laughs> I did not yeah. know about that. That's yeah. Lamby and a player named crazy just did not get properly reset in any way. <laughs> and that's why they've been one and two the whole season. They just started at 10 K and everyone else got reset to like nine or below. <laughs> which is not to say that, like Lambie isn't like the best in the world he very well could be I personally think that he is uh, but yeah they, they I don't know I don't know if people know about this they like broke their own rank system and it's just like part of the reason that it's like alright well that's cool I guess I just won't even try <laughs> like it's like uh, normally what happens so like I know that like like the players who were the player who was number one last season got bumped down to like 9,000 uh, that's how it tends to work right mm -hmm. I usually uh, the higher up you are the more it sends you down and it'll start most people who were like in the top 100 or so somewhere around what seems to be like 8,600 to 9,000, depending on how, you know, spread out they were. Um, which is why which is why it's very funny that like two players just started at 10K this season, because it's just like, OK, well, all right, that's, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Uh, <laughs> it's very that. weird. Yes. Um. We still don't know why it happened. I, I've gotten actually no communication on that. It's I, I don't get it, but it's uh, fine. It's not like there's actual rewards tied to it that we have to be upset about. Lambie's um, making backdoor deals at Newverse. <laughs> <laughs> My boy. Uh, but like, I, I, I think we actually do know a pretty significant amount about it. Uh, no, most people that make infinite do not make it at the same rank. Uh, generally, the later you make infinite, the lower your number is going to be not necessarily because you are like a certain amount of bad. Just most people who are making infinite late are actually struggling to get there. Uh, your MMR will hold up over seasons to some degree. So if I, for example, did not play until like the 20th of a season, I would still come in at that like 86 range after getting bumped down from, you know, like nine, one or nine, two, wherever it is I finish at. Right. Um, as far as how it works, uh, yeah, we actually have a pretty good understanding about that. The more cubes are staked, the more SP you win or lose. There's also a little bit of a multiplier for how many, uh, how far apart you are from the people that you're playing. So if you're far below me, I'll only get like three per cube, three SP per cube. If you're uh, while you may get, you know, more than that for beating me. If you're below me, um, it is a fairly straightforward system. I don't think there's much we don't know about it. I will say I have one objection to it, and this is a really weird objection to have, and it's only happened to me a couple times. But like when you get a tie and someone is lower ranked than you by enough, you'll lose cubes, right? Which makes sense. I've got no issue with that. 
But for some reason, that also scales with the amount of cubes, cubes staked. That's interesting. So like if I get an eight cube tie, I lose more than if I got a two cube tie, which I think is dumb as hell. That's my only objection to the system uh, as it's currently implemented. I will say I still think it doesn't have enough flex in it. Like there's not enough. You have to play too much. My win rate this season is higher than my win rate last season, but my rank is lower because I played less. And it's like, okay, that's weird, but I guess you just have to keep playing more. And I think that, you know, that's fine to some degree, but I think they should make it a little bit easier to, you know, rank up with a really high win rate as opposed to just playing a million games. Yeah, agreed. Um, And I mean, it's your full time job as well. I mean, I know for a a lot of people, uh, maybe not people that could actually achieve rank one or rank whatever. It, it is very demoralizing seeing how much you might yeah. have to actually play in order to achieve some sort of goal that you set for yourself. And I think that players in general do favor, well, I mean, it probably depends on the player, but it, well, most likely the majority, favor systems that reward uh, less games played with a higher win rate and sort of more skill expression. That's like the, the theory might be a fallacy rather than this idea that you have to grind the ladder consistently because that can yeah, be... I mean, you're always going to have to play a lot of games. I just think the balance is a little bit out of whack here. Yeah. All right. The last question here is from Paula Croy. They say second... Oh, sorry. They said, what would you like to see down the road with Ronin hand disrupt- the Ronin hand disruption archetype? Currently, Maximus is the only decent card in that package. What do you like to see other Ro- Ronin hand disruption cards be overstated? 1-3 Baron Mordo, 2-4 Mastermold, 5-6 Ronin, or do their abil- or should their abilities be reworked or buffed? Say Mastermold gives three Sentinels. If Master no. gave three, yeah. So the one thing what? about well, one thing about this deck archetype is that it's it has actually been fine in the past. Like before, there was one yeah. point when Master Mold uh, Ronin was being played. I can't. It's like I think it was in Bounce it's being been played. Okay, I feel like it's, this is the this is the Black Widow thing where yeah. it's like yeah. Now that Black Widow is everywhere, don't you just fucking hate it? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like y'all think you like, hate don't, it. Galactus. Doesn't that suck? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't the- that like kind of suck when a card like that is that good for that long? Like I don't know. Maybe if you wanted to, like I just feel like it's Ronan Master Mold is one of those decks where it's like, all right, look, do you actually want this to be a top deck? Because you can do it. There's numbers you can put on these cards that will make it a top deck. Do you actually want that to happen or do you want it for the novelty? Yeah. Right. And the answer for most people is for the novelty. The Ronin archetype fundamentally presents your opponent with uh, you can't play your cards, which is really never a good area to be in card design. And most card design tries to avoid that specifically because it doesn't feel good it it never feels good no matter what you're doing in a card game it doesn't really feel it does not feel good to like actually be locked out of doing the thing your deck is supposed to do because your opponent has whether they've played professor x on your lane or they filled up your hand with a bunch of these sentinels now you literally can't draw cards uh they usually card designers at least in the modern age try to avoid experiences like that or make them niche at best. I think it's not just that even with Ronin because it's like in order to make the, the thing really good you'd have to either make them really good at stopping your opponent from doing stuff or just so overpoweringly strong that it doesn't matter if your opponent does stuff and it's like neither of those are good design <laughs> it's not the old the other way like the other thing is like what if we just made Ronin really big it's like hold on what if we didn't do that what if we didn't 
do that instead. I would, you know, when I, it was a long time. I mean, back in the early, early days of like global release time, I, I was, I was always kind of hoped that Ronu would be on a similar power level to Devil Dinosaur, but it's just, it, it just wasn't. And it just isn't. Because right. Because its condition is harder for you to control. Exactly. And so if you make Ronin stronger than Dino to compensate for that, you end up running the risk of like, what if it's just too big of numbers? Because Dino is already kind of close to that range. And yeah. so you're like buffing Ronin to be better than or comparable to Dino. And then you run into a situation where it's like, OK, so what if we said Ronin gets plus three now? Right. And then suddenly you're dealing with like a 21 power five drop. And it's like, wait, what the hell? What, what just happened? <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you, everybody who left questions on our last week's YouTube video. If you want to get your question read out or statement on next week's video, shoot us a comment on YouTube. And we'll get it queued up. All right. On to the main topic, which is evaluating December's card cards. We did start a little bit with Sebastian last week. We're just going to re-hit it, see if any anything's changed. So Sebastian is a 3-4. Uh, it says, when this card uh, permanently gains power, gain plus two power, wherever this is. Uh, Cam, I don't know about you, but for me, this seems like a fundamentally powerful ability, right? I mean, we look at some of the cards that have been making a splash in Marvel Snap. They read somewhat similar to this. Like, this just looks pretty good. What are your thoughts? I instantly want to compare it to Werewolf. Yeah. And the access to compare it to Werewolf on is how easy is it to trigger the ability? And I think it is significantly harder to trigger this ability than it is to trigger Werewolf's ability. That said, there's some real interesting overlap in Silver Surfer here. Mm -hmm. Nova Killmonger, Nakia, maybe even Okoye, and of course Silver Surfer itself that I find fairly compelling. Silver Surfer, all of those cards that I listed go very well with Brood as well. So we're suddenly looking at like very large Broods, very large Shaws. The deck will probably have to play Loot Cage. It is probably a Sarah deck. Yep. And honestly, it is probably pretty decent into Loki because of how finicky and weird a lot of the cards are, right? Yep. Like that is something that I think will likely be quite compelling. Uh, the question is, how deep into the Shaw Nakia type stuff can we actually go? And I don't exactly know. My first instinct would be we start with Surfer. We start with Killmonger Nova. We start with maybe Nakia and and see if that's enough for him to be good. Definitely Luke Cage and as well, right? Like, the, is that just yeah, an auto You can't not run Luke Cage in a deck that completely dies to Shadow King. Yep. Yep. 100%. Um, I agree with you. I think this card is going to be really powerful. Uh, it's just... It has all the ingredients that are needed in, in this age of Marvel Snap to be fantastic. And then, like you I, mentioned, I don't know if it's going to be fantastic. Like, it's like. It's the kind of deck where it's like you only go so tall. Mm. Like, you can only get so tall with this thing. Yeah, it's like I don't like, I wonder know. if there's a Patriot hybridization. I wonder about things like Patriot Iron Lad. Yeah, I wonder about Doom. I wonder about all this stuff in a deck like this, because it's like. I Shaw is good, and I do think the deck could use a big guy, but there's like a surprising amount of clunk in a lot of surfer decks. True, true. Yeah, so I, the thing is, I don't know if it will be fantastic, but it has all the ingredients I think to be fantastic because it, it beats the Loki paradigm, or at least it has some game into the Loki paradigm and it might have the stats to compete with all the other decks as well. And that's yep. really all you need right now to shake things up. All right. 
We talked about this card a little bit last week, so I won't dive too much into it. But the next card is, uh, sorry, that was about Sebastian. But the next card is Blob, which is a 6-4. It says, on reveal, merge your deck into this, and it gains its total power. Ongoing, can't be moved. <laughs> That's a wild I ability. I don't get this guy. <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel like the number one question I get about Blob is, don't you think this is going to kill Darkhawk? And my answer is like, no. Um... Be cool though. Be cool if they're like I, I like that. There's counterplay for Darkhawk. Yeah, cool. yeah. If it killed Darkhawk, that's cool. is that necessarily yeah. a terrible thing? Like that? That's no, it's fine. like yeah, that's cool. I'd be cool yeah. with that. I I think what really Blob depends on is just exactly how big he's going to be. One of the pitches I saw was okay. You use Electro to ramp him out. That way Chavez is always in the deck, and so you play him on turn five, and he's like enormous. But then you're talking about like okay. I'm going to play this guy on turn five and he's enormous. Uh, my opponent's Shang-Chi and or Shadow King says hello and I immediately die. Like True. that's that's sort of the issue I feel like this card has is like you're like, oh, I want to play him on turn five so I can guarantee that he's bigger. And then when I play him on turn five, he just immediately eats it. And so you want to play him on turn six, but then you're going to have drawn Chavez and it's like, well, what's what's even the point, right? Like you want him to be you want him to be like a six eight team. Like that's the win con case for him is he's like high Evo Hulk. He's just like a big, enormous idiot. Right. But I don't know if he's actually going to get that big most of the time. Yeah, I wonder about him. I really do, because like he's a card that I feel like I'll have to play a little bit. But my instinct is I don't think he's going to be very good. My instinct would be to play him in ramp, but still not play him on turn five, unless I know my opponent doesn't have the Shang-Chi, which I guess in ladder is a little bit harder. And still play him on turn six, but my deck is just mostly consists of big, stupid characters, right? So right. it's relatively So he's like, he's like an arbitrarily large six, right? Yeah. And I think that's cool, I guess, but it's like, I don't think that ramp's main problem was Darkhawk. You know what I mean? I mean, if this it's the thing is, is like I think about the floor of this and something like I mean, the floor is decently low and something like ramp because maybe you hit the Electra or whatever. Uh, but I mean, I don't think it takes too much for it to be above. It doesn't. Six It doesn't take too much for it to be above rate. Yeah. Like it's just got to have like one big guy in the deck still. And you're like, oh, this guy's enormous. Right. And that's what I like about him. But it's like how many decks right now are missing a big six drop? Hmm. Like, especially in a world where Eliath exists, right? Sure. Where that's just like a better slam the door card than big guy. Like if that if that's the other thing. It's like if Eliath didn't exist, there's a world where some decks would want big guy. If that was now like the the end game scenario, right? Where you just be like, here's a big guy. I'm playing a big guy and I'm interested in just like a splashable big guy, like high evil Hulk that I don't have to invest in. Right. There's there would be decks that are interested in that, but those decks just play Eliath and Doctor Doom now. So I think that I do think this card will be good. Um, I do think it is a bit of a Timmy card and it's a bit of a trap. Like you can't just throw this in any deck like your deck needs to be suited for this kind of card, maybe even built around it to an extent. Because if you're just like, oh, I'm going to high roll the <laughs> high roll this pretty much every single time, it'll hit, you know, become a 614 or a 616 and it will just consume my last few cards. And I have the upside of beating Darkhawk. I don't think that's good enough. I think you want it to be above that 616 rate. But I do think that this is a good card. Uh, maybe it does loot us out to the metagame, which might be full of things like Eliath that just beat it out. But I think ultimately it's a powerful ability. Um, and you're right, the upside of 
kind of hosing Darkcock. It, it definitely it's 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 an upside, uh, but metagame dependent and context dependent. Looks cool. I mean, really cool ability, right? I mean, this is something that you could kind of only do in Marvel Snap in, in this kind of digital game, and it's a it's it's a cool ability. So I like when they stretch the game design and they sort of go into these these new areas of like these cards are doing things that I didn't I had not even thought of before. So I'm um, kudos for that. Yeah. All right, next one is Havoc. Havoc is a 2-1 and says, after each turn, you lose one max energy in this game's plus three power. I believe he's a 2-0 now, and they changed his text. Okay, what is his text? Uh, he's a 2-0, and it's plus four now. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's uh, Another card where it's just like, okay, you play this on turn five, and it's a 2-8. That's sick. But is it worth giving up that energy on the most important turn of the game? I I, I don't really know. And also, it's like I, I find it hard. I think the issue with Havoc is I find it hard to construct a deck with Havoc that also works when I don't have it. Uh, this is a card that if we still had old wave, I would fucking love. You go Havoc wave on five. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then you're you're yeah, yeah. like yeah. that's. That's where I, I, mean, that I would, would be, be, that'd be into OP. that. <laughs> that would be over. I would be into that. We got like our two eight plus a wave. That would be so sick. Dude, you can't be free rolling two eights. That's broken. Oh my god, that would have been that. Like that's that would have been the nuts. And I almost wonder if he was conceived of during that time. And then they were like, ah, well, now we don't have that as an option, so we have to figure out what this card is actually doing. But yeah, like that's what I would have wanted him to be. You go like a two eight plus wave, and then just ruin them. Like that's awesome. That's so sick. I love it. That doesn't exist anymore, and now I don't know what to do with him. Okay, but I mean, so with its current iteration. Do you see it being powerful and what archetypes could you play in it? Could you play this in something like Bounce or is it just the downside? Why to the it? hell would you play this in something like Bounce? Because, I mean, Bounce is one of the only decks that can actually utilize having lower energy towards the later No, but the like you can't, though. Bounce loves having energy. I'm trying to think of a scenario where like most of my cards are reduced anyway, because you understand how he works, right? The turn you play him yeah, on, you also that's where you get locked. No, no, yeah. like that's that's the that's how much energy you have the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. I understand that. So you play him on like turn four, you have four energy the rest of the game. That's killer. That's why you can only really play him on turn five, yeah. because at least then you only lose like one overall energy, right? Like that's that's so bad. The earlier you play him, the more he screws you. And yeah, he grows right into shadow king range like what are we what are True. we yeah i don't know i don't know i just don't know like I mean, the downside is so some... big you can never have this thing ever if this thing ever gets hit by a tech card you surely lose the game right because you're you, like you you're investing too much into it and yeah. like like it's i can you do like she hulk I could could you do could you do that? Because the issue then becomes like, wait, no, you couldn't because you play this guy on five. <laughs> you play this guy on five, so you can't do your She-Hulk thing. I. Like, he's a big body. That's not nothing. But it does feel a little awkward that you have to have him out there to make him a big body. Mm. Yeah, interesting card. I, I, I guess you're right. It's like a, it's definitely a very context dependent card. And the context alludes alludes me to where it's being immediately. Yeah, possible, I just I can't figure out how he'll yeah. be good. On first glance, the, the downside is just too big. Yeah. But interesting. All right. Next one. 
Last one. Celine. Celine is a one minus one. It says on reveal, afflict the lowest power card in each player's hand with minus three power. I think this depends on how damaging that is to your opponent. I get how this card is supposed to play for me, right? Mm -hmm. It's an Annihilus card. I get that. I can turn the downside into an upside. But in order for this to be a good card, I think it needs to be at least as damaging as an Iceman or a Spider-Ham is to your opponent. And I don't know if it is. True. Because I, I, I totally understand what I want to do with this. You play it in like Annihilus type bounce decks. You, you hit a couple things with negative three power. Like It needs to be as damaging as those cards, though. And yeah. I worry that it's not very good to repeat. Yeah, because, yeah, because you'll hit the same card, right? They won't right. play the card. You'll just—it's like the, not exactly, but it's kind of how Spider-Ham, uh, how Spider-Ham is. Well, consistently, will kind of hit the same thing, right? Except Spider-Ham, there's like specific use cases for it, right? Like when I play Spider-Ham now, it's like okay, I'm an Annihilus deck, and I want to hit my opponent's Annihilus, right? Mm -hmm. I want to hit their Annihilus. I want to hit their Alaya. There's a specific use case for Spider-Ham that like a deck running Spider-Ham will be playing for. And I just don't know if this card has those specific use cases. And I totally understand that, like, I can turn the downside into an upside, and that's pretty strong. I can, like, uh, make my shit weaker and then annihilate it over to you, and that's actually legitimately very awesome. I can even annihilate her over to you. Like, I think that's a really powerful play pattern. Um, I just sort of don't know exactly how good she is outside of exactly the context of, man, I really need annihilate or this card is booty, booty butt cheeks. Uh, or some other way to get rid of her. Um, yeah, I think that if you don't have an eyeless, this is booty butt cheeks. Even then, is it good enough? Because I mean, even I don't know. It's the thing is where it's like it's hitting the same consistent card. It's hitting your opponent's lowest power card. That that might not be their most impactful card. And then yeah. you have a one minus one. Even if you toss over your opponent, it's just like I I kind of think this is the card though that has the most going for it in terms of the context necessary to succeed. Like, mm -hmm. we already know where this goes. Mm -hmm. This is an Annihilus Bounce card. That's pretty strong, right? Like, it, this is a reasonable card, right? It's not the end of the world for this. It's a pretty strong card. And I think that more than something like Blob or Havoc, I understand how to make this one strong. Uh, I don't know if it'll make it there. I think a lot of that is dependent on exactly how good its ability is offensively. But... It's the one whose context I understand the most outside of Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Who is like very clearly doing one thing. <laughs> this is the card. I think that like I understand where it goes the best. And I think it could be very reasonable. Like if I had to like ballpark it, it's like this is like a six or seven out of ten. Maybe like seven is sort of the range I have for this. Or it's like a this looks like a pretty solid card. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I was going to end with asking you out of the four cards that we reviewed, which one do you have the most hope for in Shaw. terms of impact? Yeah, that easy makes sense. Shaw. Yeah, easy Shaw. Easy Shaw. I mean, it, it just does the thing. <laughs> it does, it the does the thing. It does the points. I don't know if it's going to be as good as Werewolf, but I am excited to try to play Silver Surfer again. Yeah. And I do think he allows that deck to go tall and give some extra payoff to your Nova Brood game plans in such a way that I think there likely will be something to do with him. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Sarah as well. Do you think Sarah is the top end of that deck? I find it hard to know. I it, uh, Sarah's a good card. 
especially now that people aren't playing a lot of Mobius. But if you're in a Silver Surfer type meta, people are going to be playing Mobius. They might even be playing it in the mirrors. And so then she becomes a completely terrible card. And so then you end up having to build your deck a little bit differently. You want more twos. You want to be able to go two plus three on five instead of playing Sarah. Or maybe there's another five drop you want to play. Maybe we can go back to like, you know, Legion or something. I don't exactly know again. Like, I think the jury is out on Sarah where like she's very clearly quite powerful. Mm -hmm. But if you get Mobius, you completely eat it. And so there's a point at which her risk is not worth her reward. Makes sense. All right. Well, that's that's the December card evaluation for us. Let us know in the comments what you think, what you think is going to be the most powerful card. If there's any archetypes that these or decks that these cards go into that eluded us, definitely let us know. Um, and yeah, if you enjoy this podcast, some other thing you do is leave us a review. You can do that, do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can get to ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot. It helps a ton. Um, there's a video version of this on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hit that subscribe while you're there. Twitter, Brandon APG, KM Best MS. KM is streaming, is streaming in the evenings, I assume. Correct. Correct. Awesome. Well, Cam, good luck on the next season. Hopefully the ladder is reset correctly, or if it's not, hopefully you're the one that eludes the, eludes the point, the point reset this time. Um, but yeah. No, 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 no. I, it's, it's, I'm joking. I just think they need to do like a whole new system. Hopefully. <laughs> like, That's interesting. Yeah. We should probably, I'd like to, I ta- I'd, I'd like yeah, to talk about I that did. eventually is like what you think the ideal ladder system for Marvel staff would look like. I a lot like Hearthstones, probably. Yep. <laughs> it could probably look like that. Makes sense. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.